I mean, like, I have space to put shelves. Like, I could, I could definitely put more stuff in this room. But then it's like I got to figure out in I. The decision lies of like how I want to lay stuff out because I know there's other stuff other than Legos that I want to put out. So it's like, all right, how can I best maximize my space <laughs> and and display all the stuff that I want to? And then I get overwhelmed and then nothing gets done because I just can't figure out what I want to do. Oh, yeah, I'm with you on that one. <laughs> it's like I'm at the point yeah. where I'm just like, let me just get rid of all the stuff that I have, like like the drawer, the the cabinets and stuff behind me. Just like get rid of it all. Just buy some really big bookshelves and just say, all right, you're just going to start putting stuff on all the shelves on the bookshelf. They're not going to be used for books. I'm putting fucking display shit there. What's in that now? Uh, Random stupid stuff. Okay, so just take the doors off it. Oh, yeah, you could just take so, the doors off it. So, there's some... St- Ooh, Spider-Man mask. I should podcast like this. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> when it's, we do the live show it's on it's on show. brand right let me see if i can still fit in it oh god it's gonna rip i mean if it's all right wait so my hair wasn't this long before so i don't know if that's gonna complicate things <laughs> where's the eyes okay i'm in so we've got peter c parker Yes. You're not even gonna go B. You're just gonna be C. Because yeah, <laughs> I don't even have the 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 top half of the uniform. It's just the mask. How's it look? Does we, it feel like you're podcasting you with Spider Man? Yeah, we can't tell who you are now. Yeah. My identity is a secret. Yes. Until I say my name on the podcast. <laughs> I feel like if you start podcasting that way, ten minutes in, you'll be like, "Okay, I'm sweating." <laughs> I just have one question. Yeah. Is that spider with a Y? that's how it's different (laughs) oh man I'd punch the guy that spells spider with a Y like that that's his superhero name Hello and welcome to another episode of Brian Guy and his Super Friends. I'm your host, Brian Labick. Joining me for this episode is your friendly neighborhood podcaster, Andy Stoles. What's up, podcast people? And with great power comes a great podcaster, Mike Bradley. You know, and we didn't get intro it a couple of times, <laughs> and I, so I wasn't insulted for a few, and this one's actually positive, so this is like four or five in a row where I, you know... The other shoe's meant to drop at some point. We just haven't got there yet. <laughs> I know, it, it, but it was like thirty in a row where it was. You know, so we're we're bringing you back going up in the just right to direction. Catch you back down. <laughs> yeah. Oh no. When I go back down, it's going to hurt even worse. Now that's what you're doing. <laughs> it's um, all right. We are here for another episode. Uh, but actually, before we get into this one, I at least wanted to open with a reminder that we're getting even closer to our 250th episode. Uh, I usually put this at the end, so I'm going to put it up front just so it's a little bit more known and present. So our plan is to record the episode as normal, but we'll be streaming the episode live on Twitch as we record. 
Right now, it's looking like probably mid-January is when we'll hit the milestone, but I don't have a definitive date yet. Uh, if you would like to watch the episode live when we do it, you can follow me on Twitch, at Jedi Bry Guy. Uh, that's where we'll be doing it. If you're following us on Facebook and Twitter, I'll post definitive dates and links there when we get closer, so keep an eye out for those. And for reference, what episode is this? This... I was trying to figure out the numbering convention. I think we're at 247, because I think the one you, you, me, and Josh did, I'm going to put that up as like a, a bonus episode, so it's going to be unnumbered. Oh, that, okay, so we're getting an unnumbered one, and this is 247. So yeah, if you want to split hairs, you know, the numbering convention will probably be off. But I figure if I, if I number this one as 247, it gives us another a little bit more time to hash out and figure out where, what we want to do for 250. I need that little bit of a buffer. Just makes me feel safer. <laughs> so yeah, as it Fair. stands, it's probably going to be mid to end Jan, depending if we do weekly or biweekly. But yeah, I will again. I will keep you guys posted when we get closer. Uh, all right. So we didn't get a chance to record this before the Christmas holiday, but there's if there's one thing we're good at, it's uh, putting off this stuff and always coming out late with some of the stuff. So uh, at the time this releases, I hope you all had a wonderful Christmas. And here's to 2022, hopefully getting us back to normal. 2021, I guess, wasn't as bad as 2020. Uh, it still kind of sucked, but you know, that's, that's kind of what happens re recently. Uh, at the very least, I guess we did get some new movies in 2021. So one of those movies that we can finally talk about is Spider-Man No Way Home. And now that we've put this off long enough, we're going to get around to talking about the latest MCU movie that will not be showing up at Disney Plus until at least much, much later. Uh, and if you're confused by that statement, I'm going to do my best to rehash this for you somewhat, hopefully quickly. Uh, so we've talked numerous times about the rights issues with Spider-Man. So how Sony owns the film rights to Spider-Man. So after their movies started to come out and seeing some diminishing returns at the box office, they struck a deal with Disney and Marvel. So basically, Sony would cover the costs of the movie, but Marvel Studios will make the movie, which is how we have Spider-Man in the MCU, but technically he's being borrowed from Sony. So after the previous Spider-Man movie, Far From Home, the relationship between Sony and Disney broke down. Disney was making these blockbuster movies that are setting records, getting a bunch of money, and none of that movie money was going to Disney. Sony was getting all of it. So eventually, if the stories are true, which, judging by a tweet that I saw over the weekend, are, uh, Tom Holland eventually talked to some top brass at Disney and Sony and basically said, work this out. And it worked. Uh, Bob Iger actually tweeted at Tom Holland over the weekend and said, hey, thanks for uh, you know talking us into doing this. Congratulations on making a shit ton of money. So I'd say that the rumors were true. Um, so when they worked it out, they made a new deal. As I believe the new deal stands, I think it has Disney and Marvel sharing some of the production costs so that they get a little bit more of the profits on the back end. Um, I think I, I was trying to look up definitive numbers. I couldn't find anything uh, anywhere that, that actually told me what the percentages were, but I feel like it's probably... 15 to 25% that Marvel is doing. So at least 75% of that money is going to Sony. So the majority still comes from and goes to Sony. Uh, as it stands to, Sony still owns the film rights to Spider-Man. The movies, or, or, you know, since Sony owns the, the film rights to Spider-Man, the movies do not immediately go to Disney+. Sony does not have their own streaming service, but they get to license their content to other streaming services. Most recently, we talked about this back in April, 
Sony made a deal with Netflix to have their movies available on the service during the first pay TV window, which is typically nine months after the 90-day theatrical window. Uh, but for all I know, that could be shortened at some point if they wanted to. What gets even more complicated is that a few weeks after that deal, Sony made a deal with Disney, which is a separate deal, to allow their movies to appear on Disney Plus and Hulu after the deal they made with Netflix. So the way I guess it should work is that if we're following No Way Home, let's say. So No Way Home's theatrical run will last in the theater anywhere anywhere between 45 and 90 days, depending on what theatrical window people go with nowadays. After that, it will be made, made available to rent and buy on Blu-ray for upwards of nine months. And if my math is correct, that hits Netflix around August or September, and then probably sometime in 2023, it makes its way to Disney+. Plus. So, depending on if you're waiting for this movie to hit a streaming service, I think you have a long time to wait. Uh, I guess if you want to rent it, I guess that might be the, the best option for you soon, if you're not making it to the theater. Uh, but, yeah, if you if you are afraid of spoilers, I'd highly recommend trying to find a, a screening somewhere. I'm sure if you if you can wait a little bit for crowds to thin, if you're if you're worried about that stuff, it will probably be in theaters forever, or at least what seems like forever for most movies, because the turnaround for theatrical windows for for movies, some of them don't last more than a month, a couple weeks maybe. So I'm sure this will be in theaters for a while. Uh, as far as the movie is concerned, Spider-Man: No Way Home is directed by John Watts, who has directed the previous two Spider-Man movies. Uh, this one is written by Chris McKenna and Eric Summers, who I think actually have sort of an impressive writing resume. Some of these movies that they are uh, a part of have had some other hands involved, but they are credited with the screenplay for Lego Batman, Spider-Man Homecoming, Jumanji Welcome to the Jungle, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Spider-Man Far From Home, and Spider-Man No Way Home. So they've got some TV projects they did before that but I think their movie resume is pretty solid. Uh, I won't go over the full cast because some of them are spoilers, but the obvious ones are Tom Holland is back as Peter Parker, Zendaya as MJ, Jacob Batalone as Ned, Marissa Tomei as Aunt May, Benedict Cumberbatch as Doctor Strange, and John Favreau as Happy Hogan all return for this one. Uh, currently, the movie has a Rotten Tomatoes ratings of the critic rating of 94% and audience rating of 99%. I'd say that's pretty damn good right now. Uh, Metacritic has a Metascore of 71, user score of 9.0. I don't know why the Metascore seems like it's lower, but I guess maybe they're taking actual review numbers into account. And like I think we've talked about before, critics like the critic rating is basically, do you like it, yes or no? And then you end up on the other side of that that percentage. Yeah, that that's what Rotten Tomatoes does. Yeah, It's like if it's you know a positive, and they're not even consistent. <laughs> I've seen Rotten Tomatoes where somebody giving a movie a 7 out of 10 is a fresh and it gets a you know it's a plus. Yeah. Somebody giving a 3.5 out of 5 is a rotten. Um, and I'm like they're the same fucking thing. Yeah. How, how like this makes no sense. <laughs> I've been like just scrolling through reviews before and been like that's dumb. Well, I guess it it's even more Lends a little bit more, I guess, that the ratings are that positive for Spider-Man. Because if you could, if you could get that close to, you know, if the five rating out of five is the same as the out of ten, but there's one of them's good and one of them's bad. If everything's ended up good, it's still pretty well, good. And, and that's the thing that, like, some of them, like, the the ratings that they allow on Rotten Tomatoes are all over the damn place. Oh yeah, because you get like 
people that do like A, B, C, people that do one out of, like oh, out right. of ten, out of five, out of four. Like it's it's so confusing. Yeah, I guess they got some sort of algorithm trying to figure it out. I can't imagine there's one person saying like, okay, yep, check for good, check for bad, check for good. No, yeah, I'm sure there's an algorithm, but it whatever it is, it makes no sense to me. Uh, all right, so opening weekend. So the movie made, <laughs> blew my mind, $601 million worldwide in three days. And that is without opening in China. It made $260 million domestically, which was more in one weekend than every other movie did domestically for the entire year. Uh, so not just every other movie's opening weekend. Like, I'm talking about every other movie's domestic totals. Shang-Chi was number one at the box office for domestic for the year of 2021. It had $225 million, which is its entire theatrical run, domestic. Spider-Man did 260 in three days. Uh, as of today, the movie just crossed $900 million worldwide on Christmas, I think. Uh, and is on pace to be the first movie in two years to cross $1 billion, which it will probably do over the weekend. So by, and didn't it end up, like, its opening weekend, like, second or third best all time? Uh, Something like that? Like, behind Endgame? I think it was up there. I didn't. It broke so many records, I couldn't keep track of which ones there were. Um, I, yeah, that was a record it didn't break. It just came, like... Okay. Like, nothing's gonna beat Endgame for a long time, because right. it was nearly a billion opening weekend. Right. But... This one was like, it was like right close to Infinity War when I saw the list. And I think it's, from what I saw, I think it's it's on pace to hit uh, 1 billion within 10 days, which I think would tie what Endgame did. Like like hitting that milestone in the, in the same time frame. So they both hit 1 billion in 10 days. Um, or maybe it was Infinity War. One of the Avengers movies like that. But Yeah, because... Yeah, I was going to say, I feel like Endgame did almost 900, like, just shy of 900 opening weekend. Yeah, I yeah, because I know they Endgame was much bigger than Infinity War, and they were both really big. Yeah. Um, But I think this, from when I was looking at some past numbers and stuff, too, I think Far From Home was Sony's biggest moving, moving, opening weekend ever. No Way Home topped that, so this now becomes Sony's biggest opening weekend ever. Um... And again, all these numbers, as far as I know, it still has not released in China. So it's going to get a big bump, I think, once China release happens. Uh, so I, I mean, How obsessed with Spider-Man is China? I, don't, I, like, I mean, I think Marvel do movies the... do well there. Like, I don't think... They do well enough. Yeah. They don't, they don't say, do did... gangbusters, but they do pretty good. Homecoming and the other, the other Spider-Man movie, how did they do in the Chinese theaters? Just curious. Yeah, let me see if I can find that. I'm gonna say up until this, I know that like the top three movies worldwide box office this year were all Chinese movies. I did see okay. that. Yeah, because they were like, one of them almost hit a billion dollars. There. It was at nine hundred million or something before. Yeah, as like an Asian only release. Where is China? Uh, so maybe maybe not as much as I thought well i guess still um far from home did 200 million in china okay so that's a lot that's a lot yeah for i saw the uh 95 million but that was the opening weekend for far from home Ah, okay 
Um, see if uh, Homecoming was close to that as well. Sometimes, like Asian markets, have uh, idolized different heroes than we do. You know, so some right. things like just explode over there. And I wasn't sure if Spider-Man was one of those that people were like, oh my God, <laughs> Spider-Man, you know? Uh, Homecoming did 116 million in China. Okay. So, so you can probably anticipate a reasonable growth from that. Yeah, yeah 250 million, at least probably. Yeah. Like so it's still a good chunk. Yeah. So, yeah, we'll have to keep an eye on it and see where it ends up. It's on pace to shatter some records. I think what blows my mind is that considering how the box office has been over the last year, year and a half, with, you know, we're still technically in the pandemic era of cinema. Mm -hmm. So there's certain audiences that are just not going to the theater until things settle down and, and get better. And how much of a market would that slice into? Like, you know, there's movies that cost... 150 200 million dollars and when they make 200 million at the box office they're like okay we're good like no like you, you guys were probably expecting 500 million if this was regular like out of the pandemic but you're fine taking like half of what you'd expect Th this is making what the money would like what it's making now boggles my mind because this seems like on pace for reg like without the pandemic being in and back to normal so it, like trying to wrap my head around what this would have made if we were not in the pandemic still, is like, holy shit. Well, and I think the other thing that's impressive too, at least to me, I don't know if it's been the same for you guys, but what I've noticed at theaters is the price of tickets actually seems to be going down. Like, when I've gone to a theater, I think I've been paying an average for like an evening show of like $8. Whereas it used to be more like at least 11 yeah, I think uh, pre-pandemic, like I feel like in like a normal theater that wasn't like the Dolby or IMAX or anything like that, it was usually like eleven bucks or so, and I feel like now it's like eight. I think it's a little bit less uh, noticeable for me, only because I think the the one theater that I go to in Monroeville at the mall is usually about five bucks all the time, typically, mm -hmm. um, and. I think like I've talked about before, I have the A-list thing for AMC. So when I go there, I'm not even looking at ticket prices because it's all part of the, the monthly subscription that I'm paying. So a lot of times I don't uh, even realize okay. what the prices for tickets are there. That makes so, sense. So Jess and I went to go see Free Guy in the movie theater behind the Westmoreland Mall and ended up paying, it was like 26 or $30 for two tickets. Oof. Like hmm. total. That's not even a good but theater. We, <laughs> Yeah, so we were like, I wouldn't say appalled, but we were just like surprised by that total because we can go to the uh, old Distinta, Phoenix 18. Yeah. And any show, any time, it's five bucks a ticket, no matter when you see it. Yeah. So we go there, we see a movie for 10 bucks. Yeah. Well, that, that's what the one at the Mills is doing, is like any time, any show, five bucks. Oh, there you go. Okay. Which I think is really reasonable. Well, and the thing they're doing, too, I think they're really trying to just get people in, is with a ticket, you get free popcorn. Oh, oh shit. All right. And, the like, the drink prices seem only slightly inflated. Like, I got free popcorn and a bottle of water uh, when I went to see Resident Evil, and the bottle of water was, like, two bucks. Oh, that's about normal. 
So like two bucks and a free two buck bottle of water and a free popcorn with my five dollar ticket. There you go. Yeah, that's not bad. Like, yeah. Well, hopefully, yeah, because you figure. I still feel like theaters are hurting a little bit. So anything to get these get anybody in the door, I think, is helpful. Yeah, it's helping everybody definitely. else. Helping the theaters. It's helping the movies. That's what I like. Uh, all right, so I think we're we're probably gonna get into spoilers fairly quickly, but uh, generally speaking, what did you guys think of the movie? Like it, hate it, never seen it again. Andy, I liked the movie. Um, I think one of the things that I would say uh, might be a detriment to the movie is all the connective tissue to a whole bunch of other movies. Yes. And not just, like, so, MCU stuff. <laughs> right, yeah, it, it connects to, like, everything. <laughs> everything Spider-Man, really, it does. And um, if you haven't seen the entirety of the whole Spider-Man movie catalog or MCU stuff, it can it, it can be a little tedious to try to, like, connecting those dots. I guess, yeah, this this could be a PSA for anybody that... You know, if if you want to see this movie and fully appreciate this movie, I'd highly recommend one watching like all twenty six or twenty seven. Well, I guess you could nitpick some of the, like pick out basically basically the Spider Man storylines from the MCU. Um, so Civil War, uh, the Avengers movies, uh, Homecoming, Far From Home, is where Spider Man appears. And then, really, if you want to get the most of it, I would highly recommend going back and watching the old. Sony Spider-Man movies, so the three with Tobey Maguire, two with Andrew Garfield, the Amazing Spider-Man movies, like all of that stuff kind of ties in, like they pull from a lot of the lore and stuff from those movies. Uh, I'd watch Doctor Strange too. Oh, true, yes, yes, good call. Um, so we could probably narrow it down to maybe like ten movies ish, ten ten to twelve movies that you should probably watch. So maybe not but as intimidating as the twenty something in the MCU, but. Right, but uh, that's it's a lot of homework for a yeah. single movie. For a typical movie goer, I don't think they're going to do t- a ten to twelve movie homework assignment before right. they go see this. I I would be curious to see like even even like little kids or or younger audiences that didn't grow up to, with the other Spider Men like we did when you know all that stuff came out. We saw that stuff in the theater when it was new, and right. for some people that only grew up knowing Tom Holland as Spider Man, like. What does this? I'm I'm curious how they'd react to certain things in this movie. But yeah, that's a that's a. I don't know how to find those people to handpick them out and be like, okay, let me pick your brain here. What do you think? But <laughs> it, it's this. It's the questions that interest me. I think. But Mike, what do you think of the movie? Um, as a fan of Spider-Man, as a fan of comic books, as a fan of these movies. Um, I loved it. If I'm looking at it critically, there is some major flaws. Like, from a, you know, critical movie standpoint, I think there's some major flaws. But I don't feel like they ruin the experience for me one bit. Okay. Um, so, you know, I still love the movie. I just think there's some... We're gonna talk about them, I'm sure. But there were certain parts of it where it was just like... Yeah, but, 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 and it just kept rolling with that. Okay. Um, and 
yeah, I, I feel like, you know, there, there's kind of like what Andy said with, you know, you need to know all this other stuff to be able to truly appreciate the movie. Mm -hmm. You know, critically speaking, that's a flaw. I guess, you know, so if I look at it critically, it's one way if I, and it's still generally positive, but well, I guess just the, from my heart, I love the movie. The, I understand like you guys are pointing it like, Hey, you need to watch all these other movies to watch this movie. But I also feel like that's almost expected at this point for MCU movies. Like you just have to come in True. with that baggage behind it. You can't aside from some of the ones that recently came out, like I think Shang-Chi and Eternals and stuff like that could probably largely be seen on their own. Um, and maybe we're getting to a point where some of the stuff in Phase 4, when you get to new characters, you're fine with that. But characters that they've definitely used in previous movies are almost assumed to have, like, you need to know some of this stuff going in. Well, yeah, I mean, these are all assumed to be sequels. Yeah. And it's it's just that, you know, it piles on how many different things it's a sequel of. Yeah. That's all. And But I agree. It's It's meant to be seen as a sequel, and you should always see the movies before it if you're seeing a sequel. That's fine. Andy, were you going to chime in too? I was just going to say that, uh, um, like, my mine and, like, Jess's viewing experiences were probably different because of that reason. You know, she had seen, I think, Spider-Man 1 and Spider-Man 2 with Tobey Maguire. Yeah. Didn't see Spider-Man 3 or any of the Andrew Garfields. Doesn't know who Doctor Strange is. You Did know. she see any of the other Tom Holland Spider-Mans or no? You guys didn't get there yet? No. Okay. Nope. So, yeah, I feel like... She was able to connect the dots in her head, like figure it out. Yeah. But, you know, I feel like our viewing experiences were different because I'm like, oh, this is awesome. And she's <laughs> like, wait, who is that guy? <laughs> you know? So she'd be the brain I need to pick. Like, we need to, we'll have to get her on to be like, what, <laughs> what, what did you think? <laughs> what are you confused about? How much, how bad was this? But yeah, I, yeah, that's the kind of stuff that I am interested about to see. See, because you're right. I think that those are two different viewing experiences. And I don't know if that makes that better or if the person like in Jess's shoes is just more lost and can't can't find a footing in the movie to so watch I, it yeah I asked her you know if she had any questions and, and I brought up a couple of moments that we'll get to in the spoilers and um she connected the dots like she figured it out yeah but you know I feel like some people might not be able to make that leap yeah sometimes gotcha so. um how many times have you guys seen the movie? Just once each? Yes, just once. Okay. Yep. One time. I'm guessing you're on number three. Uh, I've only seen it twice so far, so the next time I Damn, go would be number so three. Yeah. I... <laughs> there will be a number <laughs> three. There's definitely more times coming. It I just, just hasn't happened yet. For for a two and a half hour movie, it's a much diff more difficult time to find a time to carve out and go see it. But it was like, yeah, like I went opening night and then the Saturday after, I was like, well, I still got to do some Christmas shopping. So I went to the was planning on going to Monroeville to go to the mall, and then I was like, you know what? Let me just look and see what times are playing. Oh, there's eleven fifteen. Oh, there's some single seats left. I'm just gonna go in because part of the fun of this movie, and in both screenings, were the same way. Is is you know terrified as some people are to see a movie in the pandemic with a crowd. This movie is so much fun with a crowd. Like opening night. There were people cheering at certain moments, like the the audience, the people in the theater were getting into the movie, and that's fun stuff. So part of me was like, okay, let me see what, you know, Saturday morning crowd is like. So the theater was pretty packed still for 11.15, 
And the same thing, like this, almost the same moments people were getting into it and clapping and cheering. And like that, that's the stuff that I get a kick out of, like just seeing the way the movie almost like involuntarily, like some people I'm sure don't even realize they're doing it. It just makes you want to clap and cheer. And it just happens as a group. Like that's fun. That's, that's the movie going experience that I live for that I think is really, really cool. So I'll be curious by the time I get to it again, which might not be till, you know, later in the week, maybe closer to the weekend. So I don't know what the crowd's going to be like pushing, you know, three weeks after release, if it's still going to be as crowded or if it's going to start to thin out or if it's still going to, you know, if you know, you know, if you three weeks later, if there's people that haven't seen this movie still that are still getting excited at the same parts. That's what I'm still kind of curious about, but uh, I'm looking so forward to it. You could say way. That? you're on number two. Number two. <laughs> I've done number two. Oh, that's <laughs> Nope, no, nope, I take it back. That's <laughs> Everybody poops, Brian. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> uh, all right, so we'll get into the spoilers now. So, uh, the meat of this movie, again, is in the spoilers. So that's where we're going to go next. If you have no not seen the movie, do not want spoiled, pause this now, come back after watching the film. If you've made it this far without being spoiled, do yourself a favor and do not let us be the ones ruining this movie for you. Trust me, you'll thank me later. Last warning, spoilers to follow. Spoiler! Spoiler! You know, something like that. All right, so I'm going to start the spoilers just by... Well, I'm going to put the apology out uh, ahead of time because I feel like this episode is probably going to be long just because I feel like there's a lot to unpack here. Uh, But I'm going to start with this for you guys. So how much of this movie did you know going in? Were you able to stay spoiler free or was anything actually ruined for you going into the movie? So personally, I didn't see anything that was officially a spoiler. You know, I mean, anything that I had seen was all speculation okay. beyond the trailer. You know, I mean, the trailer had what the trailer had in it, which I know you probably avoided the trailers. I watched um, the but... first one. Did you watch them all or just a few? So the first one just had Doc Ock in it, yes. right? And a tease, I think, so... of Green Goblin, but that was it. Okay, so yeah, like you got to see um, a good, you know, some minor spoilers like that in the trailer of like, villains coming back they kept the spider-man's coming back thing very under wraps in the trailers they didn't preview any of that um but the rest i had seen was all just speculation was like oh they're gonna do this this or that or you know there was a lot of the speculation that was out there that didn't happen too so kind of yes and kind of no for me okay uh andy do you stay pretty pretty spoiler free I ended up seeing the second trailer, uh, I think, in front of one of the other movies. Um, but I don't. I feel like it, they did a pretty good job with the trailers and didn't really show you too much as far as, like, spoilers-wise. I think I knew going into it more because of, like, our discussions on, like, cat, like rumored cast and yeah, and whatnot. It, it, it you can make jumps in your head of what's going to happen based on like the cast list, right? That you have confirmed. I think so. Go ahead, Mike. Well, I was going to say in relation to like you're avoiding trailers and all that. Um, did did the final post credits thing actually piss you off that it was just a trailer? <laughs> no, because I usually 
I, I give, I always, my sort of motto is like the first one's free. Like I'll, I'll give myself one trailer, the first trailer, just to get a sense of the movie. Cause I can't go granted all these Marvel movies, like I'm going to see regardless, but I can't go with nothing. Like I can't go in completely blind. I need to see that first trailer just to get a taste and be like, okay, I kind of see where they're going. I'm good. Like after that, I'm fine. And if, if, if I ever okay. need to, you know, get that fix. If I'm waiting too long for the movie and I just need something to hold me over, I'll rewatch that first trailer again. Like that's that's usually enough to to get me by. That's enough to get you on the hype train. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so, so is that a trend you would like to see them continue, or is that something you didn't like? Because this is like a tangential, I know, but. I personally didn't like it. I would rather there be another little teaser scene towards something as opposed to a whole trailer. Yeah, I, I think, would agree with Mike there. I, th- I, th- I did not like that. I think yeah, the uh, the 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 setting up of other movies and stuff like that is it gets you, I think, talking out of the theater much more than what a trailer does. Um, but again, like sort of going back to like the rights issues, like this is a Sony movie, so then Marvel's like, all right, well. You know, you this is your movie. You got Spider Man. You get most of the money. Uh, put our trailer at the end. Like, I don't know if that's just part no, of the I deal, but but I'm saying like if it continues that way with like a mid credit scene that's a little teaser, and then you wait till the end of all the credits and it's a trailer. If that's a continuing trend, is what my concern was. Yeah, I mean, I, I think... don't want to see that. I think I'd much rather prefer like the like you said the like a little scene or something. But I also don't. I don't hate this. Like, I'd still be fine with it. I mean, if you remember, back when we saw, like, when First Avenger was in the theaters, like, the post credit scene for that was the trailer for Avengers. Like, there was not a post credit scene for Captain America, the First Avenger. It was the first teaser trailer no, for no, the Avengers. Well, right. So, I mean, they've they've done it before. They don't do it all the time, but they have done it before. Yeah, it's just... They did it once out of how many, and then it, and it's, I don't know. I, I think I agree with you, though. I don't hate it, but I'd rather it not be. Yeah, that's kind of kind of where I'm at. Especially with how many people worked on this dang movie. Like, you had to wait in the theater for a very long time, and then you're just <laughs> like, I felt like, Ralphie, it's a stupid commercial. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think part of it, too, is, one, they probably don't, I, I don't think at this time really have any idea what's going to happen with Spider-Man. So I think, you know, as as much as you start hearing about fucking Amy Pascal shooting off her mouth saying they got Tom Holland for another three movies, which as far as I can tell is nowhere confirmed. She's just trying to get people excited for like, hey, we're I, not done. I actually seen Tom Holland saying he might want to be done with Spider-Man. Right. So, I've seen quotes from him saying like, I... Kind of want to take some time off. Anything, yeah, you're right. Anything that I'd seen in interviews with him is basically saying, I've done my trilogy, I need a break, like, give me some time. And then she's shooting off her mouse in the press for this, mo- press for this movie saying, oh yeah, we got him for three more movies. And he's probably like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's funny to me watching, because the press tour had Amy Pascal and Kevin Feige, but basically together most of the time, answering questions together. And there's a few interviews that I feel like I've seen where, like, Kevin answers a question very eloquently, like telling you stuff, but not telling you stuff, because that's how Kevin Feige is. And then a question gets tossed to Amy, and then he's sitting there very uncomfortably, like faking a smile, trying to, like, I'm just getting the body language impression of, like, don't say anything stupid, shut your mouth, 
like, don't make me slap you because you're going to tell someone something they're going to use in a quote somewhere and you're going to throw this whole thing out of proportion like we've crafted this very well. Don't fuck it up now. Like, being the, the spoiler police type of guy that he is. Like, I, I don't know. I don't trust most of the stuff that Amy Pascal says, but who knows? Maybe they're they're working it out. But either, you know, regardless, I don't know if they know where they're going with the story because I don't know who they have, you know, lined up for another Spider-Man movie. I don't know... The, you know, the fallout after Far From Home when the Spider-Man deal sort of fell apart between Disney and Marvel, this movie's making a shit ton of money again, so it's really going to make a testament to how well they crafted this deal that they currently have. Is it enough to keep both sides happy that they want to keep doing this, or is it going to be another breakdown because this is making a shit ton of money and someone's feeling like they're getting shorted somewhere? Like, this is this is the nature of the business. Like, it's th this deal scares me every time something like this happens because we've had the rug pulled out from under us once and I'm afraid it's going to happen again. So it's hard to really get married to this stuff. But that's, again, probably a lot of speculation and stuff there. Um, for for going back, I guess, to the spoilery thing, I think I, I stayed away from most of it. Like I said, I watched the first trailer, um, which showed some of the villains. That was enough for me. The one thing... and and. I think we talked about speculatory before, maybe talking about the first trailer when it came out, as far as, like, what cast could be in there, who could show up. I feel like we sort of spitballed that, like, Matt Murdock would show up. I think that was something we might have talked about. Um, we were unsure, I think, at the time whether it was going to be Charlie Cox or not. Uh, I think we spitballed whether or not the Spider-Men would show up from the other movies. Um, I'm pretty sure I was on record saying that it was probably too soon. Like, I really didn't think they were going to do Toby and Andrew in this movie. I thought they were going to save it for a while. I was still had in my head that they were going to that, the, you know, the deal between Marvel and Sony was basically done, and in my head, this was going to be a way to kick Sp uh, Tom Holland into Sony's universe and have him stuck there. And then after that, maybe they would pull the other Spider-Man in. The fact that they did it in this movie blew my mind. I... The one thing I think I did see prior to the movie, uh, scrolling through Twitter, was that it probably about a month before. Um, I don't know if any of you guys know who John Campia is. He's like a... a Campia? Yeah, however you say his name, but yeah. Yeah. Um, he has like his own like podcast movie review show, whatever, on YouTube and stuff like that. Somehow, he must have got his hands on some leaked pictures, and at some point on the internet, like a month before threw up a picture of the three Spider-Men standing together with their with their masks off so you can see them in uniform and all standing together and fucking watermarked it with his show. So not only does this guy have the balls to throw it out there a month before, but has the balls to put his watermark on it and be like, yep, so there's no debate. This came from me. Like, what a fucking idiot. But anyway, I was happened to be seeing stuff about a leak as I was scrolling. I caught the picture, looked at it briefly, and just kind of just like, oh, that's something, and just kept going. So I didn't get a good look at it. And in my mind, since I was so stuck on the idea that they were not going to do the Spider-Man thing, like I thought it was an internet pipe dream, and that the internet was going to be really pissed off at this movie because they didn't do it, that I wrote it off like, oh, that's a f that's fan art. Somebody just put that together and somehow... Uh, yeah. Like a, a Boss Logic poster right. or something yeah, like that. Yeah, <laughs> somebody, somebody put that together. This is a wish list. It's an internet dream. It's not happening in this movie. So I was still surprised with, with when it happened. She can't tell. What's that? 
So with all the deep fakes, you can't right. tell because they, they, they've become so good. They can almost do live things now where you talk and they, you know, it does facial mapping, but it looks like it's somebody else. Right. So I even saw like definitive proof that all the guys were in there, but I wrote it off as like, oh, this is fake and just kept going. So when they actually came back in the movie, it still blew my mind. And I was still like, what the fuck is happening? Um, But I mean, what did you guys think of those reveals? Were you... Like, Mike, you talked about sort of the speculation, so you were sort of expecting it so it didn't hit as hard, or you were still very surprised by that yeah. kind of stuff? It, it was something where, is you know, as soon as they're like, oh, we have to find Peter, I was like, okay, so this is what's going to happen. This is how they're going to do this then. You know what I mean? Like, it, as soon as they get to that, I'm like, all right, so this is how it happens. And then, you know, the way they did it, it, it worked. Yeah. Um. It, it, I guess... The only thing I didn't like about how they did it was it was a little bit fan servicey. Okay. You know, like it was like Toby steps through and it's like, ah, I'm here. And it gets that like, I don't know. It, I would have preferred it be worked in more naturally. Okay. You know, maybe they accidentally bump into one of them and they find the other one that way. Yeah. Yeah. Like he's hunting the villains and one of the other Spider-Men is already fighting said villain when he finds him. Right. And, and and then, but the third one turns up the way that they did it. You know, something like that. That would have been cool. Um, Doing them both, it was like, it was a little cheesy. Okay. You know, but still good, but cheesy. Um, Andy, what did you think of the those reveals? Did you like it? Were you surprised? Did you know, feel it coming? I, I, I was surprised, but I was hopeful that it was going to happen. And, um, I, I agree with Mike. I feel like the, the way they did it was a little, um, and I don't know the term for this in cinematography, but when, you know, something happens, that's just like to, you need this to happen for like the story to be moved forward. And the only way to do it is just like immediately introduce said character. Okay. I, I can't, there's a term for it and I can't remember uh, what it is, but it felt like that to me, where it's like, okay, this needs to happen. Well, just open a portal and here they come. Yeah. So it, it felt a little like that, but I was glad that it happened and excited when they did start, like, actually talking to both of them. So I think, like, yeah. like I said, going in, I was still in my head, like, this is not happening. This movie's not doing it. And then we got Charlie Cox, and I was like, well, Okay, that's one thing. Cool, they're bringing him back. I I dig it. And then, you know, the villains start showing up, and they start talking about, like, you're not my Peter. You're not the Peter I recognize. And I'm like, okay, so would they do it? No, they're not going to do it, because, you know, there's no way this is going to happen. I'm like, they're at least acknowledging where they came from, and they look different. Cool, that's fine. And even when you got to the point where, where Ned's calling the portals and trying to look for Peter, and you're looking down the long alleyway at Andrew Garfield, and I still didn't put it together until the audience started like gasping like oh that's that's him like you could tell i think the girls were realizing it was andrew garfield in both of my screenings and i'm like oh I feel wait. Like it was easy to tell because he's much taller and but again like in my mind i'm like they're not going to do it so i still wasn't even putting it together until he started coming to the foreground and the the gasps were growing and i was like oh god and then you see this suit and i'm like i know that suit that's fucking Andrew McGuire's or Andrew Garfield's Andrew McGuire. 
That would have been even cooler if it was the a multiverse like, just has a, gone wrong. Just a smashed together <laughs> version of the two of them. But yeah, like I'm like, holy shit, it's Andrew Garfield's suit. Like that's still one of my favorite Spider-Man suits in all the movies. And so even just seeing it on screen again, I was like, holy shit, they're doing it. And then of course, as soon as Garfield shows up, you know Tobey Maguire's coming after that. But I, I get what you guys are saying about how they're introduced, but at the same time, I think you that part of the movie, I almost feel like you just need that quieter moment. So the way they got introduced there, I think, was great. I, I loved it, just to be able to like sit with them and talk and sort of figure out what's going on at that point. Like That, that was just really cool. And even like... You know, giving giving all the Spider-Men just quiet time to sit and converse and talk to each other. Like, this is the stuff that we've all wanted for a while. So just seeing it on screen was like, holy shit, this is awesome. I And I agree with, like, getting that time was important. I just think, like, so, like, you, you know, you said you really love those pops in the audience. If you introduce Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man as being present in this movie earlier on, and you build up to whether or not Toby's going to show up for 40 minutes or so of the movie, if you let that build of like, damn, they didn't bring Toby, we just got Andrew Garfield, it, and then it builds up, and then it's finally he does show up, and that's have that scene be just the same, you know, I mean, maybe like Ned and MJ working with Andrew Garfield's version a bit while the MCU version is off doing you know, the other stuff. Right. And then they're still all in that room and they're like, wait, we need to find Peter. You know what I mean? And they like the same way. Yeah. And then it's Toby. I think you get an even bigger reaction out of the audience in that time. Maybe. I mean, I still think that just from building it, once one it. of them shows up, you're, you're left to assume the other one's coming. And I think that's why they did them back to back like that is because once one's there, it's like, okay, now you're just waiting for the other one to show up. So when you do them back to back, it's less of like, so, you know, I get just devil's advocate, but like in that scenario, if they, if Andrew Garfield shows up earlier, then I think in my mind, at least I'd be waiting for Toby at some point, assuming he's going to show up and I'm less concerned about what's happening in the movie and more concerned with, okay, when's he coming? Well, that's fair. And and speaking in terms of like the new Spider Man, not new Spider Man, these Spider Man coming into the new to the MCU, yeah, yeah, not whatever you want to call it, they're coming in. Um, were you disappointed that another entrance didn't happen the way that I was? They had a chance to do something with this, I felt like, and they didn't do it. Like a third brand new. Well, and they set it up. They they set it up when Jamie Foxx's Electro goes down. He's like, oh, imagine a black Spider-Man. Wouldn't that be something? And they set that up, and it's like, how awesome would it have been for the MCU or Sony to introduce Miles Morales? Oh, yeah. Just showing up and saving the day, being a little part, show us who their Miles Morales is, and then the person's gone 10 minutes later, but you have that set up. You know what I mean? Like, you, you had that opportunity to just have, like, that happen and be a thing. I, I think it would have been really, really, really cool to see it just be a thing real quick. I think I as much as I want to see Miles somewhere in the MCU, I am still unclear, I guess, how the Spider-Man, like, I guess how far, how, 
extensive the Spider-Man rights for Sony is. Like, if Miles shows up, is he still a Sony property, or would he be officially part of the MCU and be able to do all the Marvel I'm stuff? Pretty, like, I'm pretty sure he'd be a Sony property, but still, like, think about, like, they introduced that Miles Morales, and they set it up that that's where we're going to see Venom next. Is you know say like because Tom Hardy's Venom here in the mid credit scene is disconnected hopefully from the MCU's Spider Man. They show him like right. entering this universe and getting sent back to his own. So maybe they introduce Miles Morales as the Spider Man from that universe. What we'll the what we'll the spin back around? I think to you the know. Venom speculation and and who he might fight. There's a lot of that. Yeah, yeah. I've heard the same thing. So, did you guys catch a couple of the uh, Easter eggs sort of teasing that uh, Garfield and Toby would be there before it happened? Easter eggs? Yeah, I thought I thought they did. Uh, I thought the director did a good job of almost teasing that uh, they were showing a clip. Well, the one particular moment for me was after Tom Holland had done the whole capture Electro scene with Sandman and whatnot. They zoom back in on. In the dark, with very poofy hair, a Tom Holland. In the dark, from far away. And I'm like, that almost looks like Andrew Garfield. Yeah, okay. Like, they were teasing it. But then they zoom in on him, and he's talking to MJ. Like, the the correct MJ. And I'm like, okay, it is Andrew Garfield. But if you look at that scene, when it happens first, you're like... Like, if you, like, turned your head or whatever, you, you you'd say, that could be Andrew Garfield. Because Andrew Garfield's the only like Spider-Man that always had like that real poofy, <laughs> poofier hair than the other two. Right. Uh, and there was another. There was another part that threw me off that almost looked like Tobey Maguire, and I can't remember what part that was. But uh, before those happened, I felt like they were teasing you a little bit to to see if you would notice. Gotcha. Yeah, I missed those. I think. Yeah, well, I didn't notice that, but. Uh, look for it when you may pick it up. Yeah. yeah, look for it when you see it the next time. Yeah, I will. Um, we got surprised that they brought in as many villains as they did. I maybe it was more surprising for me because I didn't watch more than the first trailer. But I know I went back and watched the second trailer, and they did show more villains. Like Sandman was a surprise for me, but he showed up in the second trailer. Um, Lizard I think was a surprise for me, and then I think he might have been teased in the second trailer also. Um. Which I think yeah. rounded out all five because we got teases of Doc Ock and Green Goblin in the first trailer. We showed they think they showed Sandman, Lizard, and Electro in the third in the second trailer. So that was like the five. But those latter three, I was, I mean, I think the only reason I knew Electro was coming back because Jamie Foxx was listed as a cast member and they they were hitting the press with that. So I knew that was coming. Yeah. But Lizard and Sandman, I think, were two people that showed up that I was like, oh shit, they actually brought those guys too. I, I I think in terms of like the villains coming back, it was awesome to see them in multiple cases actually address a lot of the fan complaints about those villains. Yeah, Electro, the way they handled Electro and like people wanted to see Jay, like an Electro mask, having it just be the way the electricity circulated around his head. That was fucking cool. Yeah, that was a cool design choice. Um. 
fixing lizards so it actually looked like a fucking lizard instead <laughs> of whatever the hell that was in the first Amazing Spider-Man. The face on it was the rest of the body in that movie was awesome, but the face thing they did with lizard was just wrong in that movie. Yeah. Um. But fixing that, fixing Goblin's suit, you know, Willem Dafoe's Green Goblin thing, having him discard the weird armor and go more straight Goblin, that was really cool. I love that they give him sort of like the hoodie look that he has in the comics and stuff. Like, that was great. Yeah. It it, it was really cool to see that happen. My only issue with it is it's a bigger issue with the whole movie, which we can talk about more eventually was, you know, using the explanation of, oh, the people that know who Peter Parker is are going to come from their universes. Right. Um, or the people that know Peter Parker is Spider-Man, is, is who was coming over. Yeah. Um, there, there, there was more people than just them that knew. They weren't the only ones who knew. Right, um, but I think like that's and... explained away in the story where Doctor Strange shuts the spell down and contains it, but then he says these guys slip through. So you're led to believe before the the spell got contained, these five it was just those ones that slipped right. through. Okay, but he didn't know about the other two Spider Men then. Yes, I'm gonna I'm gonna say correct. I don't think because. He basically sends Peter out there, and and that's why Ned and MJ come in because they they don't know how many slip through or where they are. And I feel like that's a plot okay. hole too, because at, at one point Doctor Strange is like, "Oh, you got them all! Like, how do you know he got them all? There could be a Spider-Man villain from another universe in yours, and he's just being very, very low key." Well, technically, there was like no one ever catches Venom. Right. So, so how many other how many others? Right. And I think that's it, something they could explain away, but I think more I guess Doctor Strange's question at that isn't isn't like confirming, "Oh, you got them all." It's more of a question like, "Oh, you got them all?" Oh, like, okay. I this, still think that's sort of like a strange plot hole. Yeah. I mean, well, cuz you've got like Mary Jane, you've got like Kirsten Dunst, Mary Jane should have they could have done something with that or a, a, a addressed it. Yeah. You know, I mean, like something I don't know, it just felt... Like, I get what you're saying, like, they, they get that dialogue to kind of let there be an explanation for however many shows up, this is what was there. Right. I get that. And it's okay. There, Yeah, there's some, there's some wiggle room there, because you gotta cover what works for the... I get... You gotta set the rules, but then, like, I guess work with what you want to for the story. So yes, the the right. general rule is that it's pulling anybody that knows who Peter that Peter Parker is Spider Man. So yes, Mary Jane, Aunt May, uh, Harry Osborn, all those people are fair game to have been pulled in. But the story is crafted so that Peter has to fight all these old villains. So it would just maybe drag the movie or give too much time away from that stuff if Mary Jane and Aunt May and and Harry all showed oh, up. Yeah. So. I, I get it. Like I, I, it's one of those things where like I, I, as as critical as we can be for some of this stuff, I have to somewhat be, I guess, forgiving and like let some of this stuff slide just for the greater story. Because there is some stuff in here that, when you think about the plot, you're like, what the, 
how does this make sense? But at the same time, I'm like, this is such a good movie that I'm just kind of like overlooking some of that stuff. Yeah, and I'm not saying it isn't a, it isn't a good movie. It's a great movie, yeah. but it's just like my mind goes to those like gray areas, and I'm like, well, they they probably could have ironed that out a little better, right? Um, all right. So speaking of just like the the villains that were brought in due to the spell and stuff, spinning back around to Venom. I thought about this after the movie, and it doesn't make any sense to me why he's there. Because if the contents of the spell are, if you have to know either one, Peter Parker, or two, that Peter Parker is Spider-Man, Venom has had no interaction with Peter Parker or Spider-Man. So how the fuck is he there? <laughs> that we've seen. Yeah. So. He is a news so, reporter. So yeah, technically, yeah. the Venom symbiote in that universe has had interactions with peter parker in a different universe so maybe that's a stretch but it could be yeah i was gonna say that could be the symbiote from toby Maguire's universe but it's not right because we get know. we get the origin story of the symbiote in venom yes it came from space there's no spider-man involved it just finds eddie and that's it it couldn't be because that Tobey yeah, Maguire true. already had their Eddie. They have their universe's Eddie. Right. That's true. That's true. Yeah. But I'm so how does this I'm, Venom know Peter? <laughs> yeah. Parker, I'm, I'm, this is yeah. I don't know, but I, that's the best I could come up with in my head to connect that. That that's little, a plot hole for me. But yeah. if it if it gets you know if we go to the end credit scene where he's in the like he never leaves Mexico from where he gets transported to, which I thought was kind of funny. He just stays there questioning the bartender about all these super people. And then before he can do anything, he gets zapped back to where he came from. And what we're left with is a little piece of symbiote on the bar. So if the means to an end is like, hey, we're going to throw Venom in there and let him pop up, get a little bit of time in the NCU, or then we're going to throw him back there. But we're going to get a piece of the symbiote suit just to make our own Venom somewhere down the line, like MCU Venom. Like, that's what I wanted. And if Spider-Man 4 ends up being something with a black suit, I will be very happy so another question i have on that so that scene we get with eddie here's just a, a it's a random ass possibility but listen closely to what they're saying at the bar like what he's talking about with the bartender yeah okay so now presumably when Thanos snaps, is that just our MCU universe that gets snapped away, or is that half of everything? Because that gets brought up. Uh, so when that... Thanos snaps in our universe, does huh. it do it in the other universes too? I was under the impression it was, because he never, granted, <clears throat> Thanos probably didn't know about the multiverse, but it was, I'm going to take away half of life in the universe. Not all universes, the universe this so universe. i think it's just okay. this one okay right because i wanted to be Thanos clear on that because would technically exist in all of the other multiverses too right and theoretically that thanos is doing different shit in every other multiverse right and theoretically if this thanos snaps out all existence in other multiverse he's killing himself he he has a 50 50 chance to snap away himself yes y yes well and that is brought up by the bartender correct that Thanos snapped, yes, because he says he lost his family for five okay. years. Yeah. Okay. 
um, then what I was saying was irrelevant. Because <laughs> if everything but that, it, it's everything but that he could be at a bar created by the Beyonder. Oh, I see. It, like, everything he says except that bit about the snap. Because when he first started talking, I'm like, oh shit, Venom somehow, because of this spell, wound up where the Beyonder is. Right, okay. Like, it, but that doesn't line up with, like, the Venom post credit scene or with the Snap discussion, so that's nothing. Right, so for anyone that has seen Venom 2, you know, uh, Let There Be Carnage, uh, I, I feel sorry for you. Uh, but the only, I Just think... Just watch the post credit. Yeah, the scene. only relevant thing out of that movie is the post credit scene, which is Eddie and Venom are sitting on a bed somewhere in a hotel. The universe seems to shift. They end up in a hotel room in Mexico, and on the TV is a news report saying Peter Parker is Spider-Man. Which, really, if the timetables line up, and this news report is happening right when Spider-Man's identity was revealed, that would have been before the spell. Right? The spell comes, like, days he, he, after. He could have been watching old news. All right. Yeah. I'll like, buy let's, bring you, let's bring you back to what happened, like, last week. Fair. All right. I'll buy you, that. Like, I also, like, you know how news reports will be like, do you remember this? Yeah, they just want to replay it over and over again just to really get you freaked out and scared. Well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> they'll, like, maybe, maybe, like, a pundit is referencing that particular okay. news article, and then, and then Eddie Brock happens to see it, and he's like, what the fuck? Yeah. And... In that post credit scene, I actually think we have our answer, because it hadn't occurred to me until we discussed it. But Venom, in, in that post credit scene, tells Eddie, I can show you things. Right. But he never starts showing him. Yes. But Venom knows, and Venom is attached to Eddie. Wait, Venom, oh, Venom, Venom, Venom knows what? What are you getting at here? That Peter Parker's Spider-Man, because he knows things that he doesn't, that he shouldn't know. Because he's like, oh, we like he talks about like all this shit he can show Eddie. See, that's that's extrapolating. I think a, a lot more than I think. I think that's overestimating well, we what have Venom that knows. Explanation, or we have no explanation. No, no, no. Because I, I think I think Venom. I think what they're setting up was Venom three. Basically, like at least the way I interpreted that scene was that Venom is telling Eddie, "I know much more than you." Talking about like shit in space, not other multiverses, just like space and aliens and shit that Eddie has no idea. It didn't have to be the multiverse. About. He could have known in that universe that Peter Parker was Spider-Man within the universe they currently existed in. Except that I think if they're in that universe, Peter Parker would be you know, Spider-Man would be a presence known and swinging around New York City where Eddie is. Or no, sorry. No, Eddie was That's in San right. Francisco. Yes, different cities. Sorry. Alright, so maybe there is a chance that Spider-Man exists in there. We just haven't seen him. Do you, do you guys know, do, like, I know other symbiotes exist in, like, uh, Venom's race, or not race, yeah. uh, species? Yeah. And um, do they have, like, a hive mind? Do I don't they have, like, a, know enough like about a the symbiotes to answer that question. Universal, like, I don't know. I, I'm just yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't know enough about the symbiotes themselves to, to know one way or the other. Like, they have, like, a common knowledge, like, all symbiotes know this. Well, it seems like, what, it, like, at least in the in the movie, the way, the way Venom 2 sets up Carnage is that it's just a piece of Venom, right? 
It just kind of right, like but... comes apart and becomes something else. So they might have a shared knowledge because they all sort of like just come from the same line of symbiote that breaks off and gets its own thing and then becomes its own own thing. But in the first movie, they very much seem to know one another and like what are the odds that the two symbiotes would 100% know each other. I thought they were all from the same wreck. What? Oh, they maybe. Like yeah. same like didn't they like collect them from the same place? Maybe. I think. So I mean the same thing could apply is they just were one all part of one big goop that then split into so many pieces. So they all sort of came from the same thing and had the same knowledge. So that's so, why they recognize so they, each other. So they could have like a, a collective knowledge. Until I th- yeah, I think until they split until the until separation. Split. Right, right. So yeah, I don't again, I don't know how they're going to explain or what they're setting up for the the you know, what we see in the MCU. I think it's kind of funny that, you know, the internet keeps clamoring for Tom Holland versus Tom Hardy. And Tom Hardy shows up in the MCU and it's like, "Oh, maybe he's going to stick around." No, no, we're going to send him back. So, until Tom Holland makes his way over to Sony's universe, we're not going to get that face off. I don't know if that's going to happen. Uh but if the internet rumors are to be true, uh there is internet I've seen this. I don't know if this is just clickbaity headlines. I didn't check the sources to see if someone with any type of knowledge of this stuff is actually, if there's any truth behind it. Uh, Sometimes what people want comes true because they clamored for it. Which, what scares me about just the internet in general, <laughs> which is a whole other. Be, yeah, yeah, be, yeah. Before yeah. I get maybe side, this is just my little rant now before I get sidetracked with rumors, but that. This movie works for me, like, No Way Home works for me on a lot of levels. And I love the nostalgia and fan service and bringing everybody back and connecting all these dots and, and referencing the old movies and stuff like that. This is this is a good, I don't know about fan service movie, if that's the right term, but just making it all make sense and, and including what came before, acknowledging, strengthening, all of that I think makes for the, a better movie. What I hate is that people have been yelling about this since Spider-Verse, and now it's going to see the same type of scenario like the Zack Snyder stuff, that if you yell about it for long enough and loud enough on the internet, you make it happen. And and it's it's the other lessons that the internet is going to take wrong from this movie, and we're just going to see more of it. And it's it scares the shit out of me that we're just going to somehow keep rewarding these people that are just yelling on the internet for this kind of crap, and that pisses me off to no end. Um. When it's a good idea, they should be rewarded, and when it's a bad idea, they should be ignored. Yes, and I don't think people know the difference yet, especially movie studios. They just shout. I think we're going to see just as many bad movies as we're going to see good movies, just for the same thought of people just yelling about it on the internet. Um, but was anyway. uh, was the the Carnage thing uh, uh, yelling about on the internet? Was that a fan no. service movie? I don't. I don't think that so. that was just a Sony where Sony and can't make shit right most of the yeah. time. I think that's okay. that's the same problem I think they had with Venom in Spider-Man 3 was that, hey, we're using, like, you know, the Spider-Man 3 scenario is like, hey, we have Spider-Man, he's very popular, Venom seems to be very popular and fans like him, let's put him in the movie. It doesn't make sense, but let's put him in the movie. Carnage is the same way. Hey, Venom's kind of popular, people like him, who can we put, oh, Carnage is also popular, let's put Carnage in, it doesn't fucking work. And then they just ruin that character too. So, mm-hmm. but anyway, but, uh, the... Sort of what I was getting at. The the rumors online right now are that Andrew Garfield is being looked at to possibly reprise his role as Peter Parker Spider-Man in a future Sony movie. 
the other side of that is that I've seen a lot of people talk about that they might, if they bring Garfield back, they might somehow find a way to throw him in with Tom Hardy and have the two of them face off against each other. I don't know how that would work, if it makes sense. I mean, for all we know, like Mike said, maybe Spider-Man does exist in Venom's universe, and maybe it's Andrew Garfield in New York, and Venom is in San Francisco. And, I mean, I guess there's ways to make that work, and it would be a way to satisfy the fans that want to see Venom and Spider-Man face off, but still leave Tom Holland secure in the MCU if they want to continue that story. And, theoretically, if they... The way that they can cast different actors as Peter Parker in other multiverses, so the way Andrew Garfield, Tobey Maguire, Tom Holland all look different but play the same character. Now, if they wanted to do Venom in the MCU, I don't think it has to be Tom Hardy. If they leave that little bit of symbiote behind and they make Spider-Man 4 and they want to throw in Venom and Eddie Brock, you could technically recast. Yeah, I mean, until I see the same person played by the same actor in the multiverse, I'm going to assume that people are all different across the multiverses. Yeah. The stories have the same beats or the same character types of things, but they are different in appearance. Yeah. Because I don't think we've seen in MCU's multiverse anybody that appears the same yet in a different version of themselves. I've, Unless we want to talk about the Doctor Strange trailer where it appears there's a different Doctor Strange yes. that looks just like this Doctor Strange. I think that's the only instance we have so far. Except much more like a Dungeons and Dragons wizard. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which that's a... Maybe we'll spin back around to that because I have... Let, right. I have a thought on that too. I have the same thought. Before we, before we even dig into that or decide to come back around to that, Andy, have you... I don't remember how much of the Marvel series you've seen. Did you watch the What If series? Negative. Okay, then no, I'm not going to talk about my theory, which same theory. Okay, so that's something we can yeah. we can talk about some other time. I, yeah. Um. All right, so I've I've been rambling about what uh Andy, what do you think as far as do you think we're going to get Venom in the MCU? And I guess second question: How do you feel about the possibility of seeing Andrew Garfield return if those rumors are true? I actually really enjoyed Andrew Garfield as Spider-Man, and I would love to... I think his reprisal in the role in this movie makes me even more excited to see him do something with that character in the future. So if it is Andrew Garfield to square off with Tom Hardy, I think that's a movie that I could really get behind, as long as Sony doesn't pull Let There Be Carnage on it. <laughs> yeah, I think they're, they're, that's definitely a way for, for Sony to play around with what they have and give fans what they want. Like if if it, some of the reactions I've I've seen in the theater when I've seen No Way Home, Andrew Garfield Spider-Man gets some of the biggest reactions in the movie. Yes, he does. And I think, you know, the whole the little line between like Tobey Maguire telling Andrew Garfield like you're amazing, you're amazing, like that's internet response right there because the internet has been <laughs> shitting on Andrew Garfield for years as the worst Spider-Man out of everybody. And that's this is OG Spider-Man saying, "No, no, don't worry about them. You're good. You're fine." Everything's fine. See, and to me, the internet's been wrong the whole time anyways. I, I think the three Spider-Men that we have gotten are kind of equal in their own sense. Where, you know, Toby's the best Peter Parker. Andrew, I think, is the best in the suit as Spider-Man. Yeah. And I think Tom Holland is kind of second best as both, but it kind of evens out. Everybody gets four points out of, you know, 
nobody I don't think is any that much better. And I and um, I love that they included just the three of them like bromancing each other, like just hyping each other up. <laughs> like that's like, yeah. hey, there's Did no you... wrong or right Spider Man. We're all Spider Man. This is this is great. The other part of that that I really enjoyed was when Andrew Garfield said, or no, Tom Holland said, hey, nice throw. And Andrew Garfield said, hey, nice catch. It was more than just the antidote. It was more like... Passing the torch. I passed, like, I threw the roll to you and you caught it very nicely. You know, I like that double entendre there. And, Um, like, my... Go ahead. I think... uh, I needed to add a response to Brian's question about Venom. Yeah, still. Venom is in the MCU. How do you feel about all that stuff? Right, I, I, it, <laughs> it depends on. In my opinion, it depends on the casting for Eddie Brock or whoever they want to throw into the the Venom suit because I despised the um, casting for Eddie Brock in Spider Man Three. Hated the casting for. Eddie Brock is Spider-Man. And that's not taking away from Topher Grace. I think he's a good actor. He's just not Eddie Brock Fair. in any way, shape, or, shape or form. <laughs> How do you feel about Tom Hardy's Venom and Eddie Brock? I think that's a, I think that's a fair casting. So if they bring him around and just casting. have an MCU version of him, you're good with that. Like if Tom Hardy is in the MCU. So there's basically going to be, if, if they wanted to do it this way and have two versions of Tom Hardy is like the Sony Venom universe. No, one. I, or in the I MCU think, one. No, I think they recast. Okay. I think that's the smarter yeah. play because you're just yes. going to confuse people as to who's involved in what right. and which universe yeah, is you, what. You need well, you need to recast that. And I, and I, you know, the speculation thing plays on, but I think we always need to bring this up. When you're talking about Venom, everybody associates Eddie Brock as the first choice, but Eddie Brock is not the only choice of character to attach it to. Correct. We could very well see the MCU's Flash end up because he's already a character yes we already have flash could end up with the symbiote and that's somewhere i think they could they could go eventually i think and i think we've talked about it before one of my biggest problems with venom the the, like sony's venom movies is that you get to venom without spider-man and i think they're they're so connected that you need one to have the other and since they did venom in sony's universe i always figured okay venom's off limits we're not going to get Venom in the MCU, and we're not going to get Black Suit Spider-Man in the MCU, and all we're going to be stuck with is Spider-Man 3 and the Venom spinoff that we got from Sony. The fact that we get that little bit of symbiote suit at the end of the post credit scene, immediately I'm like, oh, they're doing Black Suit. Like, we're going to get, like, Kevin Feige's going to have a hand in giving us an Eddie Brock and a Spider-Man story that's going to lead to Black Suit Spider-Man and, and eventually a Venom in the MCU. And if that's the case, this is me speculating, I have no idea, but if that's the case, I am so fucking excited for that because that's something I've wanted for years that I thought was off limits. And and I 100% see that as a possibility being, so hear me out on this, on this play in my mind. Okay. Um, so that little bit of symbiote, if we can extrapolate that Venom and Eddie must have somehow from their own universe known that Peter Parker was Spider-Man. That little bit of symbiote probably knows that too. Okay. Uh, say it attaches itself to uh, Peter's suit, right? We get the black suit Spider-Man. 
they have played this version of Flash up very much to be jealous of Spider-Man. And he steals the suit. He doesn't necessarily figure out that Peter is Spider-Man, but he steals the suit out of jealousy. And the suit knows who he is, and because it's the symbiote, the symbiote attaches itself to Flash and leaves the suit behind. Well, this... this... And he becomes Venom knowing that Peter Parker is Spider-Man. So, your theory tracks, uh, but if, if it attaches itself to the suit, then it wouldn't have needed to have prior knowledge that Peter Parker was Spider-Man. It would know as soon as it attached itself to the suit. Maybe. Yeah. It's true. Which I could, you know, I could follow that. I could track that. But I also think if we're watching a Spider-Man movie, I think that takes away from Spider-Man's story. If we're devoting time to Flash being stuck with the suit and then it goes to Eddie. Because I think, you know, the whole thing of... Why would it go to Eddie? Oh, you're saying it just sticks with Flash and that's it. We we get Flash Venom. Okay. We don't get I gotcha. Eddie's Venom. We get Flash's Venom. I gotcha. I'm not okay, necessarily okay. saying we get like Agent Venom or anything like that, but we get Flash's version. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I got you. Um. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I guess it give it would give that character Flash something to do, which he hasn't really had too much to do. Yeah, and I'm I'm not sold on the uh, casting of the Flash character. I'm not saying the guy's doing a bad job. It just it, it's anti-Flash in my head. Just yeah, no, it's it's absolutely not Flash. Like Joe Manganiello was Flash. Yeah, not, not the Jock Flash we're sort of used to. Yeah, right. So in my head, I I kind of hope they don't go that route and they go with like a, a new casting of an Eddie Brock in the MCU. Yeah, I I would I think Wait, I'd much prefer that. Have... Yeah, didn't we get Matt Gargan too? Wasn't he introduced in Homecoming? Yeah, there was a guy with a scorpion tattoo on his neck. And I think yeah. that was his character's name. Because he was part of the, the like, the not the, the vulture, vulture crew, but dealt with the vulture crew. Like, they were doing yeah. a deal on yeah. the boat. Almost like so, a, con- I mean, a contractor. Yeah. That, that doesn't uh, Venom attach itself to Mac at some point, too? Oh, I think you're right. Yes. So... I don't think that guy's anybody, though. I don't so, think like, he's a notable. So, so what we're saying is Venom's a whore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Damn aliens. You're not wrong, yeah. They just suck and suck and suck until we move on to the next one. <laughs> well, you put it that way. I wasn't, I mean, all right. <laughs> Um, so I I found it just to bring up one last thing about yeah, yeah. The, the the Venom thing. I found it interesting that in Venom's multiverse universe, there are no other super people that he has heard about. He's he's completely enthralled by this like Thanos, Thor, Hulk. He he he's just like, what the fuck are you talking about? There's <laughs> other super people around. And I don't know if that means that they're just really incognito or like way low key in his version of the universe. Yeah, and they're they're there, but they're very very hidden. Or if there's going to be like an explosion of superheroes in his universe. Well, time is also really out of whack here too. Right, which is uh, you know. Like we have Green Goblin alive, you know we have we have characters that were dead, 
like Toby Maguire isn't a mature aged Toby Maguire Spider-Man. Right. But Goblin is a pre-death Goblin. So what the hell's going on with time there? I think it's right. confusing. The movie tries to explain it is basically it pulled all the villains away at the moment of their death. Like when they were about to die, instead of dying, that's when the spell right. grabbed them and plucked them into the other universe. That's still a time thing though. That's still right. messing it's just, with time. It's grabbing wherever it feels like. Right. So we don't know exactly I guess when the story of Eddie's Venom takes place in his own timeline. I think we're led to believe it's after the events of Venom 2. No, 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 no. I don't mean that. I mean in relation to the rest of like the Marvel's potential universe. So in Eddie's universe, like the the big New York invasion from the aliens might not have happened yet. Right. Like it, it, that stuff may be and coming eventually in his that, universe and stuff. Yeah, and that's when the big explosion happened in the MCU with all the superheroes. So, I guess, yeah, I see what you're saying. I guess I just never saw. I I strictly only see so the, Venom's like universe is like the Sony universe. So the only people that are ever in the back of my mind are like, okay, who's in the Sony catalog that they can play with? So I'm not even thinking right. about like Marvel characters. Period. Right, no, no, I'm it, not saying they're going to make an appearance in his. Right. I'm just saying, like, in his universe, we don't know where they're putting him on a timeline of all these events that happen in the greater MCU. Because whether one way or another, he's appeared in the MCU now. Right. Because he was in this film. So we For can, that, even that short time. Right. So we know that, that Eddie has his own... Like, Tom Hardy's Eddie has his own multiverse. And you can just forget about, like, the Sony and MCU deals and whatever. If you just go with, he's in his own multiverse, you would, one would suspect that they have a, a Captain America character, they have, like, a Hulk character, they have a Thor character. But you're not going to see those because, you know, they're in the Sony universe or whatever. But Although Tobey Maguire doesn't know who the Avengers are either. His version of Spider-Man is, like, they like... Both of them, Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire, like, who are the Avengers? Right, so maybe that time frame hasn't happened. Well, it's not even... Or maybe I don't this think is the a... only universe that has the Avengers come, and it's like a one-in-a-billion shot that the Avengers actually come together and this all happens. I'm thinking Could of it be, more yeah. that way. That, like, the other universes are, like... It's almost like the what-if scenarios that the, the what-if cartoon had done. Like, you know, what if one event goes wrong and this superhero isn't created? Maybe Venom's just mm-hmm. in a universe where everything went wrong and there are no other superheroes around. Or went incredibly correct. Yeah. We, like, you don't know what's going on in the rest of the universe. Does Thanos so, even end up wanting to make a snap so a lot of and su- needing to save? So a lot of superheroes are born from something going wrong. And uh, then yeah. trying to write it, right? So what if his universe is more like... Everything seems hunky dory, you know. Like <laughs> all, all the problems <laughs> on a come universal from space. scale, everything's all right. Yeah, yeah. But in like the MCU universe, like this thing goes wrong, and then it just sort of uh, domino effects it down yeah. the line. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I'll buy that. Um, I don't know. I, don't, I in previous Spider-Man reviews that we've done, I don't know if we've given enough credit to the writers and directors, but. I feel like Chris McKenna, Eric Summers, and the director, John Watts, have fucking legitimately, I've loved every one of the Spider-Man movies that these guys have done. 
Uh, I think we all get sort of caught up in like what happens in the movie and don't talk enough about like how good these guys are at making Spider-Man movies because I think all the things that have to work to make, especially this movie in particular, hit the way it does is such, I think, uh, like a major accomplishment. Like I I almost got the sense of like Marvel kind of sat back for years and was just watching Sony make mistakes with a bunch of their Spider-Man movies. And then Marvel finally said, okay, you know what? We're going to fix a lot of what you did wrong here. And just, we're going to make them all better. Even your movies, they're going to be better after watching this movie. It's like they're retconning all of Sony shit. But I don't know what I'm, how do you guys feel about the, the writer's director for this movie? Everything, everything on point for you guys or any discrepancies? Um, so I guess I, you know, I think, again, I agree with what you've said, everything amazing. There's nothing you can do to save Amazing Spider-Man 2, um, in my opinion. Like, it's it's still slightly better, you know what I mean? It, But it's still not great because of all the problems it had. Um, nonetheless, I think they did a fantastic job. I just think they obviously all this had to get approved. I'm sure like Kevin Feige had to approve a lot of this for storyboarding for their MCU plans and all that. Yeah. Um, and if they continue this version of Spider-Man, this is my thing. If they continue this, if Tom Holland does come back and make another trilogy, they have a lot of questions to answer. A lot of things that don't make sense with how this movie ended. All right, so are going to need tons and tons of exposition to explain to me how that fucking works. We'll come back to that um, next, I think. Yeah. But other than that, I think they did fantastic. Okay. I think that needs exposition at some point to explain, but you know, I mean the shots like to me what I think the biggest success they created in this movie was actually one of the biggest failures of the other two Spider-Man universes or whatever you want to call them. Um, they created a scene where Peter Parker becomes Spider-Man. We all know the scene, you know, with great power comes great responsibility. They created a scene for that, that actually carried weight. Yeah. They had developed your relationship with May's character through two whole mo two and a half whole movies up to that point. And they let you develop a relationship with Peter for that long and across other movies too. And the previous movies, it was like 10 minutes in, Ben dies, he says the thing, they hit the story point, they, you know, checked the box, yeah. but they didn't actually put the effort in to make that moment seem significant. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, it's, they don't show you the relationship happening between Uncle Ben and Peter and build it to a point where it matters. Right. This did that, and for the way they put it all together, I give them more credit for that scene than anything else in this movie. The only thought the, that I had the with, way that was handled with that stuff is if we get that moment from Aunt May, did when, granted we never see this version of Uncle Ben and how that plays out, but does he still give Peter the same with great power comes great responsibility speech when that happens? And this is just. Aunt May knowing... Maybe there was a divorce. We don't know that his Uncle Ben's dead, do we? I True. I don't... Well... And there, there, there's enough differences 
Mary Jane isn't even named Mary Jane, and like so, it's right. I'm trying to think if there's like, here, a, like a line of dialogue somewhere that says like Uncle Ben. Well, even I guess it, even if he says Uncle Ben's gone. You don't know if that means divorce or dead. Yeah. Okay. Because I was trying to think like I don't know if 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 Uncle Ben had said that to him prior, like right when he became Spider Man to begin with, which we again have seen off screen for the MCU. If somehow Aunt May just knows of that trigger like that phrase and then she just sort of says it again or if it's one that she says to him for the first time so i i was going on the assumption it was the first time he heard okay because you know they talk about a lot of the things in their universes between the three of them that are samey but different yeah you know like oh i'm i was with gwen stacy Mary MJ, Mary Jane. Yeah. And, oh, mine's name. They, they, they go through a bunch of stuff like that, but they don't talk about Uncle Ben. Right. Uh, so I feel like they set it up for that to be this is his Uncle Ben moment. Right. Okay. And I feel like it just, it matters more than what they had done in the other two series. Yeah, that was a, that was a good moment. I think it did surprise me when Aunt May died. I didn't see that coming. Like, I think when it happened, I was like, okay, they're they're doing it. They're going to do it. And then she gets up and walks around, and you're like, oh, okay, maybe she's okay. And then you're like, nope, something's wrong. And then it just slowly <laughs> spirals down from there. They made you suffer. Yeah, for sure. Through, like, they, they made you suffer that moment out with them. And I think that's, like, again, another success of that, you know, the writing of that scene and how it's acted and how it's portrayed. You see her get hit by the glider. Oh, yeah. And it's like, oh, boy, she's done. Yeah. But then she's but then she's okay and you're like, oh maybe she oh she's stumbling a little bit. And they, they put you through that so that it carries like that much more like, damn. It was like that, I think this fucking sucks. I think the moment I realized something was wrong when she's she's it's it's a shot behind them. When she's standing with him, they're looking out the front of the door, he's talking to her, and she's trying to put her arm around him, but her arm is visibly shaking uncontrollably. And that's when I'm like, oh, no, no, this is bad. This Something's bad. Um, Andy, writing and direction, I guess. What do you think? So I agree with everything you said about the Uncle Ben moment. I thought that was very well done. But to me, the outstanding writing and directing of this movie had to do with um, the groups of people that they had to get together in the same room and sort of work together. I thought they did a really good job of taking all of these villains and sort of getting them together and sort of working them together. There's so many movies that try to introduce too many villains and like some of the Batman movies that we got with like George Clooney was just plain awful. Yeah. Um, but they did a really good job of sort of taking them all these different alpha enemies you could say that that really don't work together and they did a good job of sort of combining them into their own threat levels and just one threat as well i thought they did a really good job of that and uh on the flip side of that token i was curious how they would try to write in the relationships or connections that the spider men have together with each other mm. and i thought they did a really good job of of finding that camaraderie between them i uh, i they they could have done that very very poorly and i feel like they didn't they did a very good job of it i think no no character considering how many characters are in this movie no character feels out of place to me 
everybody seems like they are written correctly for their character. Everything makes sense. And I guess sort of like what Andy said, like putting all these villains together, like they're in a room for the second act of this movie, just all of them in there talking. And this is one of the most interesting things in the movie for me. And even just like, I guess just experiencing the story for the first time, like once they get to that second act and he's like, I'm going to save everybody. And then they're trying to work out how to save them. I'm like, where the fuck is this story going? Like it took a turn there that I was like, we're just doing lab experiments on everybody. Where, where, who's the villain here? Like, how do you save everybody? And And they did an excellent job of finally showing us Tom Holland's tingly sense or whatever they kept calling it for him. Yeah. Where it's sort of like fish eyes around him and like things just sort of like, seem to reverberate around him and he's like something's wrong like his they did a good job of sort of doing the spider sense and i loved when dr strange knocked him out of the body and he's in his astral form when peter parker's floating there in the astral form there's waves around his head like the spider sense is illustrated in the comics which is really fucking cool so i i think there there needs to be more touched on about how he can still move his body while he's outside of it even dr strange said that's fucking weird i think that's I've the spider sense that. that's why when he's knocked yeah, out his body you're seeing the spider to... sense and it's just taking over okay yeah okay like the nerves are still firing in the body trying to react to the spider sense but it doesn't know what to do cuz it can't <laughs> um Let's spin back around to Mike what you're talking about for the like the the whole climax of this movie. Uh Peter tells Doctor Strange change the spell, make it so no one remembers Peter Parker. And that's how the story wraps up. So that's where they leave us. And you know, I I always appreciate writing and stories that that go somewhere you don't expect and I didn't see this ending coming just like I didn't see the reveal of like his identity being revealed at the end of far from home. Um, right. <laughs> sidebar. I still think I'm a little bit disappointed. They didn't just use a scroll with like Peter to like, you know, you have Peter Parker be Spider-Man, but then you have a scroll impersonate Peter Parker. And now you have the two of them together side by side. So that would be like, Hey, it's not the same person. Cause there's two of them. Like I thought that was anyway, that was my big theory for far from home. I'm sad they, they didn't do the meme where they pointed each other. They did do that. They sort. They did. They did do that a little, uh, I they think, didn't have spider suits on and they weren't outside of a truck or right. in like a cement thing, but they did the, they did it. Yeah, when they were in the lab and Ned calls for Peter, that's that's the meme. That's basically it. Yeah. Um so yeah, so like I appreciate that they, they write themselves in a corner and then it's like, okay, where are they gonna go? But like Mike, you were saying, I think when you stop to think about it, this is where I'm just kinda like grasping a little bit. Is like okay, so if everybody forgets Peter Parker we're led to, and correct me if I'm wrong, but we're we're led to believe Spider-Man still exists. Everybody knows Spider-Man. They just don't know who Spider-Man is. So people have had interactions with Spider-Man. Presumably, he has worked with the Avengers and helped save the world, but none of the Avengers know Peter Parker is Spider-Man. Sure. Uh, so, I guess it, I, I'm still just trying to figure out where where we go from here. And, and well, I get, well, yeah, Mike, I'll let you run with it. Cause I think you started going here and then I cut you off. So where, where did you want to go with this kind of thing? This is the part to me where I think there's no explaining this away that makes sense to me. 
because you have this situation. So they forget Peter Parker. Does this mean they forget every instance of their life in which they had interaction with Peter Parker? Or does this mean they just lose Peter out of those moments where he just doesn't appear, but they can still remember the events that happened without him being there? What is the case here? Because, you know, we're talking about Ned and MJ. So do they just lose every class they ever had with him completely from their memory and they lost everything they learned in that class? But, like, I don't. How does it work? It doesn't make sense. And I don't know if you guys noticed this too, but this the big stickler for me that I'm still trying to figure out, like in in line with Mike, what with what with, with what Mike is talking about, how this makes sense for me. Whether it would be a scenario if Peter, in their memory, is just gone, and the events still played out, but Peter wasn't there, or if the events never happened in their mind. MJ is wearing the necklace Peter gave her in Far From Home. She's wearing it the yeah. entire movie. Even when he goes to the donut shop to see her, she still has it on. Yeah. If he's the one that gave that to her, how does she remember getting that necklace? Right? Would it yeah. be and, and, and someone else that and it, is it Yeah, does, does she think someone else gave it to her or does it just is it just going to be one of those things where she kind of remembers like, "Oh, I've just always had this." Or does she slowly go insane? <laughs> from trying to figure out like you know damn i was on that rooftop making out with this who was it man it just feels like it was blank space that i was making out with you get what i'm what i'm saying here like oh i was on a date with did i go to that by myself it, it would almost i think feel like a dream or, right like uh, a part of a memory that's there but you can't place it you can't work out the details but you feel like something happened like it's just real fuzzy right and slowly drive them to insanity <laughs> i mean i feel like, <laughs> like you're taking a turn that's how there, you end but... up there <laughs> what isn't think if you had that much memory with someone that ned does i'm not maybe not mj maybe she's only known him for a couple of years that close but ned presumably they've been friends since they were kids like little kids yeah all these memories that he has from all those years that are just these weird, fuzzy dreams, you're going to go nuts. So you're saying this is what it turns not happen into the Hobgoblin. It could be. <laughs> and he, he's oh, wow. he can use magic. Does the Hobgoblin use right? magic, though? But it's an, it's an excuse to get him to a point. Okay. You get what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's something that he gets from that and also does ned just think he's friends with dr strange because he should be able to remember using magic well i almost feel like but he shouldn't be able to remember what happened when he did it unless unless it goes the other way so it's so confusing well what if what if people's memories are not of peter parker what if they're of spider-man since they're one and the same person so any any place in so just to fill the gaps we'll say somewhere in the memories that sort of makes sense MJ doesn't care or give a shit about Peter Parker. She loves Spider-Man. She got the necklace from Spider-Man. Ned is friends okay. with Spider-Man. Happy knows Spider-Man. No one knows it's Peter Parker or that Peter Parker's a person that exists in the world. He's just going about yeah, his life. But, but so in chemistry class, it was just Peter Parker sitting next to, or it was just Spider-Man sitting I, in class? Yeah, I mean, stuff like that. What does the teacher remember but, of Peter Parker? But, like, but it, those aren't memories of Spider-Man. Those are memories of Peter Parker. That At that point... Like, well, this is what it's supposed to be gone, is memories of Peter. He's 
he's just like that nameless, faceless student that you never really paid attention to. So theoretically, Peter was still in the class with them, doing his work, going through school, but he's just the just dude in the back of the room that no one knows and yeah, cares to pay just... attention to. Right. Right, but but then how does that get replaced in the more intimate moments? Right. To your point, yeah, with interactions with said building Legos person. with Ned. Like, what's that? Yeah. So you know? I mean, the the whole like connecting the dots of like, hey, they're just interacting with Spider Man doesn't make sense for like school interactions or something like that. But I don't know. Yeah. I feel like it, it they, it's they a could, big old bugaboo. Oh, for sure. They, <laughs> yeah. They could probably write their way out of it in the next movie, and I sort of hope that they do because there's a lot of gray area there. They have to explain it away somehow, and I don't I think, think this is going to be way... the status quo for a while. I feel like there's a way to reverse it, this. I feel like we had a very similar discussion after the two Infinity War and Endgame move, especially Infinity War after the snap. I feel like we had the same discussion. How are they going to figure this out in, in future movies? And right. I feel like they did a pretty good job of that. So I have faith that they'll be able to figure this out in, in future iterations. Yeah, And see, I think that's where we're going to come into... Like, the explanation, I think, yeah, maybe this is how Ned becomes Hobgoblin. He goes insane from that or something. But also, maybe there's a way that they just break through and the memories come back. Because the spell wasn't perfect. Which because is the spell, you know, something along those lines. Which is something that maybe Doctor Strange learns in the Multiverse of Madness. Possible. Yes. I think, I think the little breadcrumb of, like, MJ still having the necklace through the entire movie is almost our hint that the memories are still there. She just either can't find them or can't access them or something. So, like, maybe just instinctively she knows about Peter. And, like, I keep trying to read into the look that she gives after he walks away and doesn't tell her anything. If that's, like, searching her memory for something, like, I kind of know you, but I can't place it, or, if you know, there's more behind that look. But right. that could be me just extrapolating, trying to make sense of everything and, and work it out of my head. Because, yeah, there's a lot of wiggle room here, which most of this is all speculation for us. We don't know which way they're going to go or how they're going to explain it. Um, and we probably won't know until the next Spider-Man movie proper. But it'll be interesting if we get some sort of Avengers interaction with Spider-Man before we get to a Spider-Man sequel. Because I don't think this is going to be resolved or touched on until a Spider-Man sequel. I, I think, think he's... Go ahead. I think they could technically resolve it or begin the thread pulling on resolving this in the Doctor Strange movie. Oh, uh, fair. Yeah, if he has to undo some spells that he's done to break some things, some things, then yeah, I could see that. Yeah. yeah. And Spider-Man can interact with the Avengers without them having to know he's Peter. Because presumably, you know, Doctor Strange still remembers the trip to Titan with Spider-Man. Right. Just not the part where he reveals that he's Peter. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, that's... So, like, he still knows him as a as an ally. Right. You know. So, I guess it's just that that's where I think... it. I guess that more or less the conversations won't be as intimate, where they won't be calling each other by their first names and stuff like that. They'll just be using the, the quote-unquote code names or the superhero names for all Yeah, and that could just be a continuation of that joke. Yeah. You know, that moves on. But... Yeah, I, I mean, I think that would be fun to see how... Like, I think it's going to be fun to see how they solve it. It just is going to require a very good 
solution, which I hope they had in mind long before they thought to do this. Yeah. At least they'll like, outline somewhere. Yeah, I feel yeah. like Foggy does a good job of like, okay, what are the things that the truly big fans of this are going to fault? And let's see if we can answer those questions. I feel like he does a good job of making a movie and then becoming a fan and saying, okay, these are the questions I have after this movie. Let's see if we can hammer some some of these details down. I always wonder they've, if... They've painted themselves into many a corner before and I've always questioned whether or not they're going to be able to get out of the room and they seem to do it every single time. I think, I think, yeah, we've talked about like the level of trust that Marvel has from all of us just over the years of, like Andy said, like you, they set something up and you're like, what the fuck are they going to do? This is going to be terrible if they don't do this right. And then they do it right. And you're like, oh, okay, nailed it. Then you go to the next movie (laughs) and the same thing happens. Like they just keep upping the ante all the time. Like it's, it's, from a from a story's perspective, I think they have they do such a good job of nailing these characters and where the story goes to put these characters through something. Like the you know, the character of Spider Man is, is one of those people that never gets everything he wants, and when he does, shit goes wrong. And in every movie he's making the mistakes that lead that way. So it's it's a learning experience for the character. And this movie ha- hammers that home much more, I think, than other ones did. Maybe just because the stakes are higher. But yeah, I don't know. I it's it's I think it's what makes Spider-Man one of the mo- more relatable characters is that just he just goes through all this shit that everybody else can go through and relate to at one point or another. Um, are you guys sort of surprised that M- uh, Peter doesn't come clean with MJ and Ned at the end? Like he has this whole speech written out. He's going to confess to them like, hey, I remember you guys. This is what's going on. And then he puts it in his pocket and walks away. No, I feel like he knew that he he promised that he was going to do it and he and he sort of tried to get up the nerve, but in the core of his heart, he knew the less they had interactions with him, the safer they would be. That's what he was going yeah, for the you, whole movie. You can see that. They yeah. yep. Yeah, they they play he sees this, you know, the injuries on her all taped up and everything and he's just like, "Okay, this isn't the right thing to do," or he thinks it's not the right thing to do even though they're his friends, and they're gladly taking on that danger because they're his friends. Yeah. He's making the decision for them to be like, no, you're not a superhero. You're not me. You can't be in these situations. And to me, that's expected. That's what Peter has always tried to do. You know, And it's just been, in spite of his attempts to do that, the people around him end up in danger. And this is giving the character a chance to reboot that and put himself on an island which it always felt like peter kind of wanted in terms of not putting people at risk and i think that's an interesting place to leave peter and spider-man is he does not have a support system anymore like he might be able to rely on the avengers or something as spider-man but peter parker has no one yeah and i think that's a really good place for him to be because in my opinion comic book wise that's sort of where he always was was sort of on an island yeah doing his doing his own and i felt like the toby Maguire version of spider-man where he was delivering pizzas taking photos just trying to keep his ends meeting while in the in a crappy apartment somewhere was was to me the epitome of spider-man like yeah peter parker takes a lot of hits for him to be able to be spider-man yeah and i feel like tom holland has had 
his version of Spider-Man has had all the support in the world. Right. Really, he has. And this is his first raw moment. And it, I, I enjoy that part of Spider-Man. You know, like where, where he is just, he sacrifices his personal future for other people's. Right. Consistently. Yeah, it's a good way to put it. I would have loved to have just had, like, just in the background. Character didn't have to show up, but just, you know, the landlord yelling, Red! I thought that, too. Just banging on the door right at the end. Because he goes into an apartment that looks just like the one from Tobey Maguire's. Yeah. It would have been hilarious to have that. I feel, I feel like I saw that meme pop up after the movie came out of, like, the one cameo we were all waiting for at the end of the movie was that guy. <laughs> um, All right. I think we've probably talked enough. I'm going to try to wrap us up or, or head us in the, the closing point direction. Is there anything else you guys wanted to go for? The only thing I was going to end with was sort of, like, favorite moments, and then we'll get into rating. That's kind of all I got left. So I, I thought they did a really good job of, of showing, like, <laughs> this is going to sound weird, but battle damage on on this iteration of Spider-Man. With authentic battle hasn't, damage! Yeah, <laughs> he hasn't really, like, taken his comeuppance. I, I don't know how else to put it, but, like, Tobey Maguire, like, his, his suit was, like, shredded, and he's just, like, bloody. And, <laughs> and then, like, Andrew Garfield, like, you can sort of see he, like, takes his lumps and whatever, you know? But, yeah. like, this is the first movie where I felt like Tom Holland, like, actually, like, took his shit you know like he really got the shit kicked out of him and there were a couple of moments where i thought you know his his spider hood or whatever you want to call it uh cowl or whatever um is like shredded and he's bloody his hair sticking out you know and i thought that th those were very like toby mcguire-esque moments where like he takes a absolute beating and i i enjoyed that aspect of this because i feel like that didn't really happen in any of the other like MCU Spider-Man iterations. The fight with Goblin in the apartment was like such a brutal fight that I had not yes. don't remember seeing in any other Spider-Man with Tom Holland before. Yes, and and like I don't know, I enjoyed that Spider-Man rawness that I feel like his support group really didn't sort of took away from everything in in previous movies like he was always able to find like spider armor or 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 like oh like i'm a friend of the avengers blah blah blah, blah. the stark like, tech of he, it all yeah he he had ways to get around everything you know but to see him at his core as raw as that was i i really enjoyed that yeah and and that's one of the things at the end of the movie here i think we get to see as well was the new spider suit that he dons that's not Stark tech, that doesn't have, you know, the instant kill. That, that he made you know, with a sewing got... machine. Right. Th this is back down to Spider-Man at his basics. Yeah. Um, And I, I love to see that, because it's just what you're talking about. It's, it's much more Peter on his own. Yeah. Um, And it, as far as, I guess, my own notes, the only things I had were... That scene with the three of them fighting all the villains was fucking incredible. Yes. Um, I think there's a moment there where they're swinging around the building, the three of them, and one of them actually swings off of the other one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. And it's just like, whoa, that is fucking awesome. <laughs> like, 
it, it, there's so many other things that happen, but that one moment I just was not expecting at all. Them throwing stuff to one another and all that, it's like, yeah, they're definitely going to do that and catch stuff, but swinging off of another Spider-Man, that I, was just like, I, what? I feel like it went a little bit further than that, too. I feel like the one slung his web onto the other's hand and he like almost propelled him further than his swing would have taken him i feel like it went even further than that you know instead of just like getting his leg and swinging further he actually like the other spider-man knew he was going to do it and almost like propelled him further than a typical swing would have done which is incredible in my opinion that's the stuff yeah, like when I watch I, it at home i'm gonna have to watch like amazing. half speed to see what's going on because some of those scenes happen yeah. so quick yeah, and it's something I could just watch the three of them swing around the city together just for a little while, just for fun, because it would be like, let's see all the different tricks they can come up with for these guys to do. And that's the other thing that I loved about this movie was that when you finally get the three of them together, there's parts of the movie that just slows down and lets you have them have conversation. Like the stuff in the lab was great. The like them setting up for the final confrontation with all the villains where they're just sitting around chit chatting and learning about each other and what each Spider Man does Figuring differently out. and who's going to be number one, two, yeah. and three. Like, that's the stuff, like, it's so, it, it like, pacing-wise, I guess, I don't know if it feels right because you're ramping up to the action, but for, like, fans of this stuff, like, I loved all of that stuff. Just, it's it's the stuff that I never thought was going to happen, just to have all these people, one, in the same movie, two, in the same room, and three, talking to each other. Like, this is fucking great. And I guess that plays into, like, the last note that I had, it was like, I guess the one negative for me with Andrew Garfield in this entire movie is he looks like he's about to cry the entire time. <laughs> His eyes were glassy and looked like they were ready to burst throughout the... And that might have just been him being so happy to be back in the role that he couldn't not look that way. I think it's the other way. It, it, where, like, the, the character has been through, I think, more shit than probably the other two. Right? Like, Tom true. Holland's still got his support system. Tobey Maguire confesses that him and MJ are working it out, so he's kind of on the up and up. Andrew Garfield's the one that has lost everything. Yeah, his universe is much more tragic than the other two. Like, he even talks about how, like, he's stopped pulling his punches, like, to the point where he, I can't tell if they're leading into it, but may or may not have just killed other people because he just doesn't care anymore. Like, he needs a... And giving him the redemption moment as well to catch MJ was fantastic. Both screenings, that got probably the biggest round of applause is when he saves MJ. And that's yeah. that's the moment where I asked Jess if she understood what happened there, and she's like, oh, I assumed it was because he lost his, his version of Mary Jane, and I'm like, that scene was almost identical to the scene that his Mary Jane lost, like, missed yes. it. And she's like, I sort, she sort of connected those dots in her mind, so I, it was one of those questions that I had for her. And and that to me is a really good way that they tied these films together in that they gave purpose to you know Toby and Andrew being there yes yeah more than just like hey they exist and here they are and cheer for them and then it's not going to be much else they gave them i guess Andrew Garfield's got more of an arc here than Toby did yeah um, but that could be, again, because maybe they're setting something up, or maybe there was just more of an arc to have, you know, where Toby's just like, eh, everything's good. Yeah. <laughs> Don't really need an arc. I'm I'm happy. I'm a middle-aged Spider-Man now. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Like, but I, I feel like they they did a really good job of making sure that the characters they brought in had things to do. Yes. Yeah. 
well, that's probably good enough time. Uh, any other favorite moments from you guys that we didn't talk about that you want to bring up? Well, my favorite moment was actually the moment that you had already brought up. It was the, their pre-battle Statue of Liberty chatting <laughs> and, and how, how appalled both Tom Holland and Andrew Garfield were that T- Tobey Maguire's spider stuff came out. <laughs> <laughs> Your body just produces it. And he's like, it's like breathing. Like <laughs> That was no, such a great moment. Such a great moment. I love that moment. Even like, you know, Andrew Garfield cracking Tobey Maguire's back. Like, you gotta yes, stretch yeah. it out before the fight. And like... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't, there, there's somebody to talk about. Like, I don't know. Again, I think all the villain stuff was was really, really cool. Like, even all the fights that they've done, like the fight with Doc Ock on the bridge, I thought was really cool. Um, the Obviously, the fight in the apartment, I think, is probably one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, at that point in the movie, I'm trying to figure out who is the villain. And I couldn't tell where they are going to go with it. And then you start to get... I think Willem Dafoe, who is fucking phenomenal in this movie, and proves that he is yes. probably by far the best Spider-Man villain out of every other villain that they've ever done, uh, says the one line back, I think, to Doc Off, where he, you could tell he's using, like, the Green Goblin voice. And you're like, oh, okay, some something's going on. And then it spins from there, where he turns on everybody else, and you gotta fight him. And, yeah, all just throwing each other through the floors, I thought was really fucking cool. Yeah, I think, and Mike, maybe correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like I saw Tom Holland talk about uh, playing the Spider-Man video game that Insomniac did, and he talks about how that game was really cool, and they wanted to try to incorporate a move from the game in the movie, and I think the one move that they did was where he's fighting Green Goblin through the apartments, through the floors, and he, like, kicks Green Goblin up in the air, and then webs down on the ground, and then, like, drives through him. I think that's yeah. a move from the game that they put in the in the movie, which I thought was like, oh, that, this is fucking great. This is it. <laughs> I didn't notice it at the time because I wasn't looking for it. I had, I'd never heard what you just said Tom Holland said. I'd never heard that. Right. But, yeah, that was absolutely. Okay, I was trying to make sure I picked the right move that was from the game. It, nothing says it was only one. Though. True. Now I'll have yeah. to watch closer. Yeah. And... Um, I can't. I can't think of anything else right off the top of my head, but it, this movie I think is littered with favorite moments. I, the whole third act of this movie is just joyful to me. Um, but I, I think a lot of the emotion I think that Andrew Garfield brings, I think, is what got me through the movie. Like I, Aunt May's death and Tom Holland reacting to that got me to cry, and I think I teared up with Andrew Garfield saving MJ. And a lot of his yes. just like how how on the he edge redem- he was. For he a lot almost of stuff. has like a redemption arc. There. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Which yeah, is... he gets a second chance to save Gwen, and it may not be Gwen, but he gets the chance to do it. Right. And to make to make a difference. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So those are the two. Um, Did you guys cry at all? Because those those are the two moments I think that got me. I I shed a tear for Aunt May, and I got like shaky when Garfield saved MJ. Okay. I don't tend to like cry. I'll I'll choke a little I'm bit. Oh man! Like, oh no, no! I, like it just movies don't get me that way. Like I might you know choke up a little bit or something. It it's something like that. But like actually cry, a movie doesn't really do that. To me. Yeah. Okay. Fair. 
it also got me a little bit when Happy and um, Peter are standing in front of May's grave mm. and Happy sort of brings up the Iron Man thing. Yeah. I just I was like, oh, okay, old wounds. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, speaking of Happy, one of my favorite moments was Happy with the CPAP machine on <laughs> the chair having to listen to Peter <laughs> go through this thing with MJ. That was absolutely hilarious. <laughs> Because it 100% fits Happy's character at this point. Just being like, oh, god damn CPAP machine. Just like sitting there like, it was wonderful. Yeah. Um, my favorite fight scene, I think, was the moment when Green Goblin returned. When Doctor Strange had the spell lock-up thing. I don't know what you would call it. The cube or whatever. Right, right. And he flips it over to see the bomb and all three Spider-Men are like, hey, nah! <laughs> before it blows up. I yes. just, I got a, a big kick out of that. I think it's funny too. Like this movie has proven now that Spider-Man can beat Dr. Strange. Right. So that's like when you have those theoretical battles with your friends, Spider-Man is now on a different power level. He could take Dr. Strange. I don't think that's a consistent <laughs> I feel like that was a circumstantial just in the mirror verse. Doctor Strange was not trying to win. He was he was trying he was not trying to kill Spider Man. Well fair, yeah. He yeah, he was just trying to acquire what Spider Man had. Yeah. And I feel like in a in in a game of acquiring an item, I think Spider Man wins that. Okay. Yes, fair. he's very quick and sneaky. <laughs> yeah. But the webbing in terms of deadliness, he's in a lot of trouble. Fair point. It, uh, all right, I got nothing else. You guys got anything else? We'll end with a rating. Nothing? Right. Uh, sure. Yeah, go. Out of 10, who would like to go first for what you give Spider-Man No Way Home? Andy? Oh, I thought that was amazing. <laughs> uh, I will give it a 9. Want to give us a little bit more? Uh, it just, everything that we've talked about, it just, it, it, it had a lot of heart. I felt like it had a lot of soul and I felt like they did a good job of reintroducing characters and not like screwing them up. Yeah. Which, which is sort of where I was going into the movie. I was sort of on the pre precipice, like, ah, they could really do this good and ah, they could really not. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like, you know, slid down the good ramp there. So. All right. Mike out of 10. Um, I'd say a 9.5. Uh, you know, it, it's right up there. Yeah, I feel like there's some bugaboos that you run into with multiverse and time travel and stuff like that that, you know, I'm not really faulting it for. The movie was fun. It was nostalgic. It was heartfelt. It had amazing action. You know, it, could it have done even more to get to a 10? Probably not. Like, I, I feel like it's just that half a point holding off because it relied too much on fan service and weird plot bugaboos. Otherwise, it'd be a 10. Because it just... I absolutely loved it. Yeah. I just can't forgive that half a point for certain things. Fair. Uh, Yeah, I think that's where I'm sort of ending up right now. I think 9.5 for me as well. And I think just... A lot of the lines that Mike said, I think overall, just enjoyment level, I think it's fantastic. Um, just 
you know, being on the audience roller coaster with a lot of people in the theater for this movie, I think is it's just fun to be a part of. Uh, this movie does a lot right. I thought there was a lot of things that could have went wrong, um, that they definitely exceeded my expectations for a lot of this stuff. Uh, but yeah, I think just th thinking about some of the story starts to hurt my brain a little bit. And that's why I think it's, I'm just not giving that perfect 10 just cause it's still, there's little things that bug me. Uh, and you know, sort of like what we talked about earlier, I think there's a lot of preface before you have to see this movie to really appreciate it. I think you have to see all the other Spider-Man movies, the Tobey Maguire, Andrew Garfield, uh, everything else Tom Holland has been in to really get this one. So it is a lot of homework if you're just coming in and just want to see Spider-Man, but if you yeah, love Spider-Man, I think this is a great fucking movie. It's almost like if there was an, a Spider-Man TV show and you started watching season three. Yeah. Seeing season one and season two is yeah. sort of where, yeah. I mean, I'm very excited to see where they go from here. It's, you know, anybody's guess what's going to happen from here. If we're going to get a Spider-Man 4, I'm assuming since this made a shit ton of money, people are going to work it out. We're going to get a Spider-Man 4. It just depends how soon. Probably yeah, three or four They're not going to give up a billion and a half. Yeah. I, w I wouldn't expect Tom Holland to come back as Spider-Man in a solo Spider-Man movie for three or four years, maybe five. I don't know how long they'll push it, but it's probably going to be a while. Uh and I don't I know. Can see cameos though. Yeah, I, I, as far as I know, and I tried to re rehash this when I was looking up some of the the deal information, but everything that I read had still said that when they when Sony and Spider Sony and Marvel re upped that they get to make Spider Man three and then he will appear in one other MCU movie. So there's still supposedly another movie where he will show up, and I don't know what that's supposed to be because as far as we know, there's not another Avengers movie on the slate right now. Could be that he's kept well under wraps as appearing in Doctor Strange. Could be. Or it could be that he appears in a random movie down the line. Yeah. So we don't know. I Unless something changed, but last I heard, he's still due for another movie. And then we'll see where, what comes from there if we get it. Like I said, I'm assuming another Spider-Man movie. I don't know if I'd go as far as saying he's locked in for a trilogy of Spider-Man movies. I think that's Amy Pascal's wishful thinking. But... If they don't have him inked to the deal, right? she shouldn't be saying right. I mean, Sony has Tom Holland locked up for a lot of shit. Like, he's making a lot of movies for Sony, but I don't know if he's going to keep making Spider-Man movies till the end of time for them. Right. But, all right. Well, I guess that's it for us. Uh, if you've enjoyed the show, please leave us a five-star rating and review. Be sure to give us a share on social media. Make sure you follow or subscribe to the Keep Up With The Show. Uh, we're on Spotify, iTunes, Google, Anchor, Stitcher. Hopefully, anywhere you're listening to podcasts, you can find us. Uh, you can check us out on Facebook, search Bry Guy and his Super Friends, or go to facebook.com slash Friends. You can leave us questions, comments, topics, suggestions, any of that stuff there. Uh, try to email me, BryGuySuperFriends at gmail.com. It's it's legit. It works, so I won't check it. Uh, hit us up on Twitter, at BGSuperFriends. You can follow along there. Uh, like I said, if we're when we're posting closer to 250 for links and dates, uh, keep an eye on the Facebook and Twitter. Uh, you can follow me on Twitch for when we go live for 250. I'm at Jedi Bry Guy. That's Jedi with an I, Bry with a Y. Uh, and that's where we'll go live whenever we get to 250. And that's it for us. On behalf of Andy, Mike, and myself, thank you for listening. We'll talk to you next time. Mega thwip. <laughs> 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 <laughs>